those guys. Thank you, worship team. Hey, guys, uh, I want to welcome you to Summit today. If you're here for the very first time, you're brand new. I see a lot of new faces uh, here today. If you're here for the very first time, uh, hopefully when you walked in, you got what we call a connection card. That's that big, long red card you got when you walked in the door. And if you fill that card out, I'll tell you what we would love uh, for you to do. We have a free gift for every first-time guest that's here today. Right out there in the lobby to your right is our welcome table. And we would love to give every first-time guest here uh, just a token of our appreciation. Say thanks for getting up early, uh, coming and spending some of your Easter here with us. And we'd love to give you a gift, all of our first-time guests. Hey, if, if, if it's uh, your second time, if you're a returning guest, we've got a gift for you as well. And I'll tell you what, if you are a first-time or a returning guest, please, before you leave today, make sure to visit the welcome table out there in the lobby to your right. We've got a free gift for you, and if you didn't get one of those cards, you can get one. Um, but maybe you're in a rush here at the end, okay? Maybe you've got an egg hunt you've got to get to or something you've got to do. i tell you what, this room's going to be filled with vi- uh, volunteers at the end. And what we do here every week is people... Uh, fill out those connection cards, let us know what God's done in their lives, and then everybody uh, puts those cards in those baskets. So if you're new today and you can't get to the welcome table, at least let us know, man, what God did in your life today, how we can pray for you, your family, how we can serve you, and you can drop those in those baskets uh, that all of our volunteers will have at the end if you can't make it to the welcome table. We're going to continue to worship right now uh, as we receive our offering so our ushers can go ahead and get in place, and you can make any preparation that you need to do to make uh, for that. I know a a lot of people give online. Uh, We have giving available online on our website at summithazard.com. You can also give on our app that's available right now. You can go in the the app store on uh, your phone, Android, Apple, no matter what you got. You can download the Summit uh, Church Hazard app for free. You can give there. It's a great way to keep in touch with our church and um, know what God's doing and uh, stay uh, in touch. But uh, we're going to pray for our offering uh, this morning, and the reason that we give, you say, why in the world do we do this? Maybe you're, maybe you're new to church. Maybe uh, this, it's, this whole church thing is new, and what we're doing this morning, what we just did, is we just sang and declared that Jesus is alive and that he's Lord. And the reason that we give is the exact same reason, because Jesus is alive, and he's Lord of our lives, and he's worthy of our lives, and to show that we give a portion of what he's given to us back to him so that God would use it to transform lives in this region and around the world. And so I want to pray for our offering, and uh, our guys will go ahead and begin to uh, receive our offering here this morning. Let's pray. Today, Father, I thank you so much for every person that's here today. And God, I pray that you would bless this offering. God, I know a lot of people have already given online. I know a lot of people have already given uh, through the app. And Father, I just thank you for every person that's giving today, God. For the person that's giving for the first time, God, what an awesome, huge step that is, God. Step of faith. And Father, I pray that you would bless them, that they would see you, they'd meet you on the other side of that step. So God, use what's given today and use it to change lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You guys go ahead and uh, begin to receive our offering. And hey, while they're doing that, I want to mention just a couple of things to you. Um, Friday night, we had uh, uh, arguably what's, uh, what's usually our biggest event that we do all year. We call it Extravaganza, and uh, it was at Perry County Park Friday night at 6.30. And literally, uh, there were, I, I guess people counted, somebody told me that we had over 1,000 people there 
Friday night. It was just a crazy uh, thing. I, watch this video here, here. If you can see, you might need to bring the lights all the way down if we can. This is me about to say go. go, go, go and it go, looks go, like go, the go, running go, of the bulls, but I promise those are kids getting Easter eggs. Thousands of kids, hundreds of kids and adults uh, running through there. And so it was a crazy, crazy time. Uh, but you guys make that possible. And uh, so you, so there's that. You can go ahead and stop that video there. And uh, that's always a wild time, that egg hunt. There was, oh, was 14,000 eggs gone in three minutes. All right? And, uh, and everybody made it out alive, hallelujah. So that's, that's the great thing. So when you say go, you're like, I don't know. Um, but uh, so it's a great, great time. Hey, I want to mention one thing really quick before we dive into what God has for us today. Normally our student ministry meets on Sunday night, but it's Easter today, and so there's no student ministries tonight so that you guys can all um, be with your family. We'll pick back up next week, middle school 530, high school 705, back on track, regular schedule. Next week, nothing tonight so that you guys can all be together on Easter, all right? Hey, go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of Revelation, all right? Easy to find, last book in the Bible, all right? Go ahead and open it up. The book of Revelation is where we're going to be today. And I don't know what you think about when, um, when you think about Easter, maybe all kinds of different things come to your mind when you think about Easter. Um, maybe Easter for you is an opportunity to get a new outfit. Anybody? You know, I've always said that Easter is kind of the Christian version of the red carpet, you know, and everybody just walks in in their latest fashion, you know, and that sort of thing. Or Peeps, anybody think of Peeps? Anybody, has anybody eaten Peeps this Easter season? There we go. You know, Peeps are, all, all Peeps are, are sugar-coated co- sugar styrofoam. That's all those are. Okay, that's all. That is Egg Hunt. Uh, maybe you got an egg hunt with your family uh, coming up later on this afternoon. I'll tell you something that should come to your mind when you think about Easter. I'll give you one word that you should think about when you think about Easter, and it's the word hope. Everybody say hope. Hope is something that has got to come to your mind when you think about Easter. And, 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 and when we think about hope, it's usually different than the way that God thinks or talks about hope. You know, when we talk about hope, hope for us from our vantage point, it's, it's a lot like wishful thinking. Do you know what I mean? Well, well, hope for us, there's a 50-50 chance that it may or may not happen. And so we say things like this, well, I hope they come to the party. Uh, maybe you're saying this uh, this morning, I don't know what it's doing outside, maybe you said this, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope that she gets better. In other words, in other words you don't know what will happen? Well, see, when God talks about hope, and, and something that you need to know about the Bible, the Bible talks about hope on, on almost every single page, from Genesis to Revelation. It is a book about hope. See, when God talks about hope, God, hope, rather, from God's vantage point, hope is rock-solid confidence that something is going to happen. When, when God tells us that we can have hope in him, really what he means is you can take it to the bank, cash it in, you can bank your whole life on me because it is going to happen. So hope is not wishful thinking when it comes to God. Hope is, a, it is absolutely rock solid going to happen. In fact, I'll prove that to you if you've got your Bible open to the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. So maybe you're new to the Bible, new to church. Well, well, everybody probably knows something about the book of Revelation, that the book of Revelation is about the future. A lot of it is. It, it, it's actually a little, bit, a little mix of both. It's a mix of past, 
present during their day and future things that even happened yet. But look at verse 1 in Revelation chapter 1. It's not on the screen, but it's going to be in your Bible there. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that, watch, watch, must soon take place. See, something only God can do that. Only God can tell us the future before it happens, right? I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. God says, I can tell you what's going to happen a thousand years from now. And so what we're doing today is, uh, if you've been coming uh, all through this year of 2017, today we are finishing a series that we started the first Sunday of this year. In 2017, on the first Sunday of January, we started a series called Multiply. And what we've done in this series is every single Sunday, we have went through either a book or a set of books in the New Testament. So, the, so every book in the New Testament has gotten a sermon in our church beginning the first Sunday of January. And our goal, what we said that Sunday, is, what we said that Sunday was we'll finish this series on Easter Sunday with the book of Revelation. And so here we are, we're wrapping up our Multiply series with the book of Revelation this morning, and Revelation is about hope. I mean, there's all kinds of of images and pictures and, and things going on in the book of Revelation, but write this down, Revelation is about hope. See, see, hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not, I hope it's gonna happen. Here's what you need to know on this Easter Sunday. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus, See, the entire book of Revelation, just like the entire Bible, starting back in Genesis, the entire Bible is about Jesus. Revelation is about Jesus. And so I want us to look at two verses today. We're only going to look at two verses this morning, and we're going to see why should we put our hope in Jesus? Why should we build our whole lives on who he is, not just, not just Sundays, once a week. Why should we build our whole lives on Jesus? Why should we bank all of our future on Jesus? Why should Jesus change the way that I think about my relationships and money? Why should Jesus impact the way that I think about my goals and ambition? I want us to see three, way, three reasons today why we should build our hope on Jesus from Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Revelation 1, 17 and 18, it says this, when I saw him, this is John the apostle, uh, same John that wrote the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John is writing the book of Revelation, and John sees Jesus. And John says, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Why would he do that? Here's why. Because Jesus is glorious. He's he's above every other name like we just sang. And listen, if Jesus Christ physically walked into the forum right now, none of us would look at him and say, sup, bro? Sup? Good to see you. Welcome. Get, Get a connection card. Welcome tables in the lobby. No, bro, listen. If Jesus walked in here right now, we would all fall down. Say, I don't even believe in Jesus. Listen, it doesn't matter. We would all instantly on our face because Jesus Christ physically walked in the room. John says, listen, when I saw him, I fell down and it was like I was dead. But Jesus, he laid his right hand on me saying, watch, watch, watch. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. 
Your Bible might say, I've got the keys of death and hell or death and the grave. But three reasons why we should, we should build our hope on Jesus. Here's the first one right out of the gate. It couldn't be any clearer. We need to say this this morning. First reason you need to build your hope on Jesus is because Jesus is God. It's because Jesus is God. So, so Jesus, right out of the gate, first thing he says to John and all of us this morning on Easter Sunday, Jesus instantly says, I'm not a wise man, I'm not some prophet, I'm not simply a moral example. Jesus wants us to know I am God. That's what he says. And, and he says it this way. He says it there in verse 17. I am the first and the last. Jesus says, I am God. I am the first and the last. See, at some point, we have got to answer the question for ourselves, who is Jesus? Listen to me right now, lean in, lean in, lean in. At some point in your life, if you have never answered the question, you are going to have to answer this question. Who do you think Jesus is? And I promise you, the way that you answer that question will impact everything else in your life. See, some people think that Jesus only lived, died, and came back to life just so we can go to heaven. Other people, when they think about Jesus, they think that Jesus is simply another option on the endless religious buffet. So if Jesus works for you, great. But you know what? We can also choose Allah from Islam, or you can be a Buddhist, because at the end of the day, all religions say the same thing, and they all lead to the same place, right? It's what some people say or here's what some people think listen I don't really care I don't really care listen if Jesus works for you that's awesome but listen man I just want to go to school just want you to do my job I just want to live my life listen the whole Jesus thing that's great I hope it works out well for me in the end but I really don't care and the problem with all of those options is that Jesus didn't put any of those options on the table for you and I to pick when it comes to who he is See, Jesus says, I am the first and I am the last, meaning I am God. So here's what you need to know. Jesus does not say he's the spokesperson for God. Jesus says he is God, okay? See, no other religion in the world, the spokesperson for that religion comes out and says, I am God. Muhammad doesn't say that in Islam. Muhammad says that he is the spokesperson for Allah. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Listen, bro, I'm not some spokesperson. I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am God in flesh. Listen, there isn't another religion in the world that says what Christianity says about this weekend. Did you know that? All religions say the same thing. Listen, there is not another religion in the world that says God put skin on, became a man, died on a cross, and busted the tomb down, and beat death, and came back to life. There isn't another religion in the world that says that. So all religions say the same. Listen, listen, listen. And, and I respect that. I didn't grow up in church, and maybe that's what you believe. Maybe a college professor told you that. You saw a documentary on television. And you started to believe that. But can we have enough intellectual honesty this morning to admit all religions actually don't say the same thing. Christianity says what no one else says. Okay? Or, or, or the other option. Well, Jesus came, died, did all that stuff just to take us to heaven. And listen, that's not an option either. I heard a preacher say the other day, he said that Jesus isn't just interested in your afterlife. Jesus is interested in your present life. See, when Jesus says, I am the first and the last, here's what he means. Write this down if you need to remember it. When Jesus says, I am the first and the last, what he means is this. I want to be first before all things in your life. 
I want to be the center of your life. I want your world to revolve around me. One of the things that happens in the book of Revelation is actually in Revelation chapter 5. It shows us what's happening in heaven right now. While you and I are in here, it shows us what's happening in heaven. And what's happening in heaven right now, according to Revelation chapter 5, is that they are praising and worshiping Jesus. But look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. I think it might be on the screen. It says this, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea and in the sea and all that is in them. So everything in heaven, this is what everything and every person in heaven, all angels, are saying right now to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor, glory and might forever and ever. In heaven right now, guys, it is absolutely clear that there is no one and no thing like Jesus. He is before all things. But here's my question. Is he before all things in your life? Is he? Because that's the only position that he wants. He says, I'm the first and the last. I don't want to be second. I I don't want to be down the list of things that you're interested in. I, I want what you think about me to impact how you date other people. And I want how you think about me and who I am in your life to impact how you spend your money. And I want who I am in your life and how you think about me to impact where you see yourself in 10, 20 years. I, I don't want to be your secretary or your assistant. Jesus says, I want to be your Lord. I want your world to revolve around me. And so the question we got to ask is, does it? Jesus is God, is he in your life? Is that the position Jesus has in your life? First reason you ought to put your hope in Jesus today is because there isn't another thing in the world, there isn't another thing in any of our lives that could look at you and say, I'm the first and the last. I'm without beginning and I'm without end. Your job can't say that. Money can't say that. Every relationship, earthly relationship rather, that you know can't say that. The only thing that can look at you and say, you will never lose me. Not even death can take me away from you. The only thing that can tell you that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Only one. That's why, that's, why, that's why if I don't have Jesus, I don't have hope. Second reason you need to put all of your hope, you need to build your life on Jesus. First is he's God. Here's this one. Write this down. Jesus holds the key to get us out of any prison we're in. Jesus holds the key to get us out of any prison that we're in. I love what Jesus says here. First thing he says, fear not. Do not be afraid. How many of you, my hand's already up, I'll start it. How many of you have been afraid of something in 2017? Raise your hand. Right. Some people aren't raising their hands. We'll talk about liars next Sunday. You're invited. You're invited for the liars next week. Okay, that's for you. All right, all right let's move on. We all have. Watch the news. Maybe something scares you. Something happened with your, to your kids. Something happened at work. Everybody at some point gets afraid. Jesus looks at us and says, don't be afraid. Of what? Of anything. Why? Why should we not be afraid of anything? Well, we already said it. One is Jesus is God, but look at verse 18. I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. There's Easter Sunday right there, isn't it? There's the the, the resurrection. I died, and I came back to life. But watch, watch, watch. I died, and I came back to life, and I have the keys of death and Hades. What's that mean? What does that mean? Your your Bible might say that I've got the keys to death and hell. What what does it mean that Jesus 
has the keys to death and the grave, to, to death and hell. What does it mean that Jesus has the keys? Well, I've got here, um, I happen to have here today, and, and, and word is this is the only one in existence. I don't know if this is actually true, but I have the only one, apparently, this is the story that we were told, I have the only key to the city of Hazard right here. Literally, it says city of Hazard, this is the key to the city of Hazard. This unlocks everything, guys. If I lose this, we can't get into Walmart tomorrow. I'm sorry. I, I mean, this is, so, this, so I don't know, we don't get these out, they don't get these out, and they can't City Hall let us borrow this, and, uh, but this is the only one that I th- well, I think they might have some more. This is key to the city of Hazard, right here, right here. When you get a key to the city like this, when you get a key to the city like this, what's it mean? Here's what it means. It means that the person who gets a key to the city, a key like this, what it means is this, it means that that person is welcome anywhere in the city. It means that that person is honored anywhere in the city. It even means, a lot of times, it even means that person has authority in the city. Or, or think, think of it another way. Well, you have the key to your house right now, don't you? Right? You have the key to your car right now, don't you? Why do you have those keys? Here's why. It's simple. Don't overthink it. Here's why you have the key to your house. It's your house. You own it. You can come and go as you please. You have the key to your car. Why? Because it's your car. You can drive wherever you want. You can come and go as you please. Listen to me. Jesus has the keys to death and hell because Jesus has authority over death and hell. He has authority over. There is only one man who died, and instead of death beating him, he beat death. And when Jesus rose from the grave, what Jesus did is Jesus got authority over death, and he got authority over hell. And right now, Jesus holds the keys, and he says, it's all mine. I am in control of all of those things. I am in control of death and the grave. And so what that means for you and me is that Jesus and Jesus alone has the ability to set anyone free from any of those places. Jesus has the ability to set you free from death. Did you know that? See, Jesus is alive, and one day we will all die. But did you know you do not have to stay that way? See, everyone lives forever in one of two places, heaven and hell. Say, bro, listen, I got my Easter outfit on, and, I can't, and we've been eating peeps. Don't drop the H word. This is not the day for H-E double hockey sticks, bro. All right? Everybody lives forever, one of two places. And here's what a lot of people think. Well, I want to avoid H-E double hockey sticks, so I'll be good. I want to avoid that place, so I'll believe in God, and I'll help people, and, and I'll give a little money. I'll be nice. You know what? I'm not going to go to hell. My grandpa was a deacon. You know what? I'm not going to go to the bad place because my family, we're good people. We're upstanding citizens. Or you compare me to that guy, and you know what? I come out pretty good. Probably when I stand before God, God's going to look at me and say, listen, bro, you are dipped in awesome sauce. Welcome to heaven. It's all about you. Listen, if you and I could work our way into heaven, Jesus did not need to die and he did not need to come back to life. But he had to do those things because we are helpless before God. Our sin has separated us before God. And Jesus and Jesus alone has the ability to set us free from death, hell, and the grave. So that today if you put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, you will live forever with him in heaven and a place called the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21, 22 talks about it. But Jesus and Jesus alone beat death and can give the power 
of eternal life. But see, not only can Jesus set you free from death, hell, and the grave, Jesus has the keys and he has the ability to set anyone free from any prison you're in right now. Did you know that? Jesus can set you free from your addiction. Amen? Jesus can set you free from that thing. It doesn't matter how long it's been in your family from generations. Jesus has the keys to your freedom. It doesn't matter how many people have told you you'll always be this way and you can't change. Jesus has the keys to your freedom. That's why the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is free indeed. Really free. So Jesus is God. Is he God in your life? Jesus can set you free. Has he set you free? Last thing and number one. See, you need to build your life. You need to build your hope on Jesus. And Jesus, the last thing we see in the book of Revelation, Jesus invites us to a relationship with him. Jesus is God. Holds the keys of death and hell and can set any of us free from any prison we find ourselves in today. And Jesus is inviting us into a relationship with him. You know, a lot of people say, Mark, the book of Revelation, this is a hard book to understand. Let me tell you what you need to know about this book. This book is an invitation. This book is an invitation. It actually begins and ends with an invitation. So in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, I think it's going to be on the screen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus is talking to a church just like this. He's talking to people who've given their lives to him. He, he's talking to people who have a relationship with him, but here's what they've done, and maybe this is you. The people in this church that Jesus is talking to, their love for Jesus started to grow cold. And they got used to God, and they just... They just started going through the motions in their relationship with God. And they were just showing up on Sunday, but their heart wasn't showing up. You know what I mean? And Jesus says this. Jesus wants them, Jesus wants to be first and center in their lives. And look what Jesus says to this church in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat with him and he with me. So Jesus paints this picture and he says this. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to followers of Jesus. And he says, listen, I'm knocking on the door of your heart, man. You ever, anybody ever knock on your door and there's like that 10, 20 second window where you're thinking, I wonder if I'm going to answer. Right? And if you've got a window strategically placed, you can peek out that window and say, nope, don't like you. Right? It's the relative that you've been avoiding for the past seven Christmases at your door. Right? Nope, not it. Or, or you, oh, okay, I'll let them in. See, when somebody is knocking on your door, you've got a decision to make, don't you? Am I going to let you in or not? See, Jesus is knocking on somebody's door this morning. Maybe Jesus is knocking on the door of somebody, their relation. You're a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is knocking on your door, and he's saying, listen, I want to be the center of your life. I want you to be radically in love with me. I want you to be radically devoted to me. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. And maybe, some, maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe you feel this tug inside of you. And it's Jesus Christ knocking on the door of your heart saying, let me in. Let me in. Maybe Jesus is knocking on the door of some follower of Jesus' heart this morning. And he's saying, listen, you need to forgive that person because that bitterness, listen, it's going to hurt you more than it hurts them. You've got to forgive that person. 
Maybe Jesus is knocking on the door of somebody's heart this morning and there's a follower of Jesus right now in this room and you've got this hidden sin, this thing in your life nobody knows about. Nobody knows about, God knows about it. And because God loves you, he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, listen, man, I got the keys. I got the keys to set you free. And if you would let me in, I promise it's going to be hard and it's going to be a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but I can set you free if you will let me in. So you've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today, church. Teenagers, he's knocking on the door of your heart and he says, I want to be first. Not your friends, I want to be first. He's knocking on the door of your heart saying, listen, listen, money's too important to you. You're, that, those things in your life, they're too important. I want to be the sinner. He's knocking on the door of your heart. You've got a decision you've got to make. See, the book of Revelation doesn't just start with an invitation. It ends with one too. Look at Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, it says this, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears, Come, and the one who is thirsty, Come, and let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. That's an invitation. And the invitation there is to anybody and everybody who needs Jesus this morning in this room. It is an invitation for anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter where you've been or who you are. It is an invitation from Jesus himself to you, and he says, come. Jesus, don't you know what I did last night? Jesus, don't you know what I said to my wife last week? Jesus, don't you know what I did at work? Jesus, don't you know what me and my friends did at school? I do, come. You are loved in a way you will never understand. And I died for you, and I didn't stay that way for you, and I am alive for you. You come, you come. That, that invitation is for the addicted. That, that invitation is for the broken. That invitation is for the hurting. But I'll tell you who it's specifically for, and I love that Jesus does this. I love that Jesus says, come everyone who is what? Thirsty. Thirsty. He's not talking physical thirst. You know, you just grab some water, drink it, and you're good to go. No, he is talking about thirsty in your soul. He's talking about thirsty in your soul. And so maybe that's you today. And so maybe you've went from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. And you're saying that surely there has got to be a man who can meet all my needs. Surely there has got to be a girl out there to make me happy. And you go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship and you are still empty. Or you're a college student and you just keep changing your major because the grass is greener on, oh, that's the career that's going to make me happy. Oh, wait, no, I, oh, no, I was wrong. It's that career that's going to make me happy. Oh, that's the path to fulfillment. Or maybe you're not even a college student. You just can't make up your mind when it comes to careers because that looks good, that looks good, that looks good. Surely one of those will give you a sense of purpose. And you do it and you do it. You've got more degrees than a thermometer and you are still thirsty. Man, you're so popular. Everybody knows you. Everybody knows you, and you are thirsty. You, you have always started since T-ball. You're the most athletic person on that team. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. 
and you're still thirsty. You make more money than anybody in your family ever has. <laughs> it's crazy how much money you make. And everybody looks, man, if I, if I made that much money. And you're thinking, yeah, it's, it's great. But you are still thirsty. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. It's because God made you to know him And God loves you so much, he refuses to let you be satisfied until your heart is finally satisfied in a relationship with him. You are always going to be thirsty. More stuff will make me happy. No, it won't. More stuff will make you in debt. Right? Right? To the thirsty, Jesus Christ says, come. To the broken, he says, come. To the follower of Jesus whose love for God has grown cold. He's in your life, but man, center, I don't know. He's knocking and he says, come, let's, let's get this right. But here's what you need to know, and I'm done, I'm done. Both of these invitations have an expiration date. And you don't know when they are, and neither do I. The expiration dates are these, when you die or when Jesus comes back. And I don't know when those are. He could come back today. Did you know that? I mean, the book of Revelation, and Jesus says it in Matthew and in other places, Jesus can come back at any moment. Well, yeah, bro, but I got a family dinner at 12. He doesn't care. Doesn't care. Oh, wait, you're hunting eggs at three? I'll make it four. He could come back at any moment. And listen, when Jesus comes back on the other side of his return, He does not gather humanity around and say, listen, guys, I know you never made the decision to make me the Lord of your life before. Anybody want to do that now? There is no second chance. And the same thing is true when we die. After we die, there's no second chance. uh, Peter doesn't pull us in a corner and say, listen, Jesus is standing right over there. You sure you don't want to rethink this whole thing? Hey, Jesus, what's up? Do it right now, bro. He's serious. Look at his face. Oh, my goodness. Oh! No, you get no other chances. What if this is your last chance? What if this is your last? There's a lot of people here. I don't know when your last chance is, but I know at some point you get your last chance. And what if it's today? If Jesus Christ is knocking on the door of your heart, church, don't refuse, open it up and let him in. If something inside of you says, man, I need Jesus in my life. I need God. I'm so thirsty and I want to live for him. Don't fight it. Come. Come. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, thank you so much that you just clearly lay out who you are. You are God. You are Lord you're first and last. You've, you died and you are alive forevermore. You are not simply a good moral person, a wise prophet. You are the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who beat sin, death, and the grave, our creator and our Lord. And you hold the key to set us free from any prison, any person in this place today is in. Doesn't matter how deep that prison goes. Doesn't matter how long we've been bound up. You've got the key. You've got the key. 
But Jesus, the invitation is open. We've got to say, Jesus, open up my heart. Jesus, let me out of this prison. We, we have to receive that invitation. It's not automatically ours. Jesus, there might be somebody in the room today who believes that you really did die on the cross and come back from the dead, but maybe they don't believe that you did that for them. I pray that today they would see that, they, that you did that for them, that it would become a personal, life-altering reality. Jesus, knock on the door of our hearts. Have your way. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want to, first, I want to talk to you as followers of Christ, those of you who are here and you've got a relationship with Jesus. Is Jesus the center of your life? Can, can you really say it? I think Easter Sunday, in a way like no other Sunday, is a clarifying Sunday. Jesus is not playing games with our lives. <laughs> He's not, you know. Jesus is not playing games with our souls. He's not playing games with our lives. He's not interested in, 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 in just being a Sunday thing. He wants to be the center. He wants to be Lord. Is Jesus the center of your life? Right here in this moment? If you're here today and you'd say, Mark, you know what? I'm a Christian, but Jesus is not the center and I want him to be. I want to make Jesus the center again. I want him to be the Lord. I want him to be the center of my life. I want my, I want my life to revolve around him. And, and whatever, whatever that means with that, for, some, for all of us it's going to mean different things, but if you're here today and you would say, Mark, I am a follower of Jesus, but I need Jesus at the center of my life. I want him to be at the center. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Raise your hand right now if that's you. There's two hands right here. Raise them up real high. Hands are going up all over this side in the middle. Raise them up real high and hold them there. Hands are going up all over to my left. I want Jesus to be the center. Hands are up right here. Hands going up all over my right, right over here. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. All over this room, hands are going up. Praise God for that. Praise God. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray for every hand that went up. Reflects a heart, reflects a life. And God, I pray that you would be at the center of these men and women in their lives. God, I pray that whatever that means, if it means, if it means radically changing their lives, God, getting some stuff out of their lives, if it means getting connected to, to this church, God, whatever that means, if it means serving and using their spiritual gifts, God, God, it, it, it's, it's probably going to mean beginning to grow and having a relationship with you. God, I pray that those, those hands that went up just now, it wouldn't stay in this moment. It was not supposed to stay here. None of it was. Pray that you would be the center in a way that they've never experienced. But maybe you're here today. Maybe you are here and you do not have Jesus in your life. And you know what? Your family, this is, you're excited to come. You're, everybody's here. But something happened during this hour. And you didn't anticipate it. And something's going on inside your heart right now. And and the only way you can explain it is there is something in your life right now that's telling you you need Jesus. You need God in your life. You've tried for too long to make it on your own. You've tried so many different things that you thought were going to satisfy your soul and you're still thirsty because the only thing that can satisfy a thirsty soul is Jesus. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been, the invitation from Jesus is come. 
Say, Mark, how do I come? How do I do that? Here's how you do it. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, Jesus says, if anybody confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if, and if today you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you want to begin a relationship with him, listen, you're not going to leave perfect. Nobody's perfect, okay? Everybody messes up. Jesus saves us from our sin, okay? But if you need Jesus today, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. And it's not a prayer that gets us out of hell and our ticket to heaven is punched and boom, we're good to go and never think about it again. No, this prayer says, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to live for you today, starting right now. Jesus says, come. It's available to everybody. If today you want to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time and have him come into your life and forgive you for all your sin, past, present, and future, and be your Lord, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you right now. Be my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. I give my life to you today, Jesus. I want you to be the center. Thank you for loving me and thank you for forgiving me. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Jesus' name. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open or anything like that. If you just prayed that prayer, you made the biggest decision of your life to begin a relationship with Jesus. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, don't be ashamed. Don't worry about what everybody else around you might be doing. It's dark in here and their eyes are closed. They're not even watching. But as soon as I say three, if today you want to surrender your life to Jesus, I'm asking you to raise your hand high in the air so that I can see it and celebrate it with you. Don't even wait. Don't even wait, okay? As soon as I say three, just extend that arm right out and say, today I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Today he set me free. Today, today he forgave me for all of my sins. Today I started a relationship with him. If today you did that, as soon as I say three, you just raise your hand high in the air. One, two, three. Just put your hand high in the air today. Say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to save me today. Raise your hand right now. Anyone in the room, just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he's alive. Thank you that he saves. Thank you that he rescues. Father, I pray that Jesus, as we leave here, this would not leave us. You're the center. You're God. You've got the key to set us free from all of our prison. And so, God, I pray that we would answer this invitation. Anybody whose heart you're knocking on, anybody that you're telling, come right now, God, I pray that you would work and that you would move. And Jesus, it wouldn't die when we leave this room in just a few moments. But Jesus, it would carry on and you would radically change our lives. Thank you for Easter. Thank you that you're alive and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Summit, let's give God praise on this Easter Sunday for today. Now here's what we're gonna ask you to do. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Um, right now, go ahead and you can get, grab your connection cards and you can fill those out. I know several of you raised your hands to say, you know what, I want Jesus to be at the center. 
On the back of your connection card, would you let us know that you prayed that prayer? And here in just a moment, you can drop those cards in those baskets. But if you're here for the first time, you're a returning guest, make sure to visit our welcome table out there. We'd love to connect with you and uh, just put our free gift in your hand and just uh, see if there's any way we can serve you. Hey, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Guys, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today on this Easter Sunday. Have a great day with your family. Invite you to come back and join us next Sunday at 11. You're dismissed. God bless you guys.